فاشرف بي لاشتغال بالعلم ولا تبغي به ما عشت يا بدلا ويا له من شرف عظيم so we stopped at uh, the second point so this is our third part inshallah ta'ala which is al-manhajiyatul al-amaliyah fi dhabd al-ilm The manhajiyya, the methodology that a student of knowledge should take, or a person should take, if he wants precision in knowledge, and that will allow him to be a person who has true understanding, accuracy in knowledge, is the following, inshaAllah ta'ala. The first one is, التدرج في طلب العلم. That a student of knowledge, or the person, takes knowledge in a gradual manner. In a gradual manner, and that they, they don't try to take all of the knowledge at once. So you basically start when you're seeking knowledge, the small knowledge, before you start to go into the big matters. And that is why Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala He says in the Quran, rather become Rabbaniin. ولكن rather كونوا بربانيين. So what does ربانيين mean? Abdullah bin Abbas explained what ربانيين means. He said ربانيين are الذي يرب الناس بصغار العلم قبل كباره. It is the one who nurtures the people on the small basic knowledge before the big deep detailed knowledge so he starts with the basic stuff and he teaches them that before he talks to them about matters that are very that are very serious that are detailed that their mind cannot comprehend and the scholars they speak about this issue a lot which is that a student of knowledge should start with that the student starts with the most important books of every field the most basic books of those fields. For example, the student of knowledge should first of all start with the Tawheed and Aqeedah. And then after studying Tawheed and Aqeedah and correcting his Tawheed and correcting his Aqeedah, he should then move on to Fiqh al-Ibadat. Because the Fiqh is divided into how much? Two. Fiqh al-Ibadat and Fiqh al-Mu'amalat. Fiqh al-Ibadat are the Fiqh of worship. So the student of knowledge studies that first. And then he moves on to the fiqh of transactions. And the fiqh of transaction. So first of all, tawheed and aqeedah. Have you studied that? Have you learned that? Naam. Okay, now study fiqh al-ibadat. Study fiqh al-ibadat. So he studies the salah, the conditions of the salah, the pillars of the salah, the prerequisites of the salah. And all of those, all of those, fields that he's studying from the religion, he's studying it from the Al-Mukhtasarat, the summarized, the beginner uh, books, the small, summarized, abridged books that is befitting for his size. And we're all aware of the famous statement which is The food of the elders is a poison to the youngsters. In other words, 
a child that is born today, if you try to give him a burger, he'll die from it. But as an adult, you can eat it. So what is befitted for, or what is good for an adult, what is good for an adult, is it necessarily good for a newborn? So the knowledge that's good for the person who is deep in knowledge, who's a student of knowledge, who's a scholar, that knowledge is going to corrupt the new beginner in seeking knowledge. It's going to corrupt him if he takes those knowledge and if he's given to him. It'll confuse him uh, and it will, uh, it will cause him problems. لذلك إذا سلف يجلس سيء لست بمحدث قوما حديثا لم تبلغ عقولهم إلا كان لبعضهم فتنة. You are not one who talks to a people about a issue which their brains and their minds cannot comprehend, except that you are causing to those people a trial and tribulation. Ali ibn Abi Talib said that. Abdullah ibn Mas'ud said, حدث الناس بما يعرفون أتريدون أن يكذب الله ورسوله. Abdullah ibn Mas'ud said. Tell the people what their brains and their minds can comprehend. Do you want the people to disbelieve in Allah and the Messenger? Is that what you want them to do? So tell the people what they can comprehend. And that is exactly the same when it comes to seeking knowledge. Tell the people what their minds and their brains can comprehend. Now this level of التدرج في طلب العلم is four levels. The first one is four levels. If you want to be gradual in seeking knowledge and you want to get to the, the ultimate goal that you're looking for, inshallah, there are four levels that you need to take. That is the gradual stage. First level is marhalatu ta'sis. Marhalatu ta'sis. It's called the stage where the student of knowledge he studies the foundations. And he studies the principles. So it's called ta'sis, he's building the foundation. The word ta'sis comes from the word asas, foundation. So the student is kind of found, if I could say this in English, he's kind of building his foundation, he's foundating himself, if that's a word in English. It's basically trying to put the bricks down. And that stage which is taqsis it occurs by hifdul mukhtasarat memorizing the small summarized abridged books and you reading it on a scholar who's mutqin who's grounded such as the three fundamentals like thalathatul usul by Muhammad Abdul Wahab and the book al qawaidul arba' the four principles of his which are tawhid books are you with me and also like a book, Al-I'tiqad, Ahlul Hadith, by Imam Abu Bakr al-Ismaili, for instance, which is an aqidah now. And then, for example, fiqh, you could study, depending on what madhab you follow, um, what madhab you follow, for example, if you're a shafi'i, you're going to study, you know, kitab, matna bi shuja' and whatnot. If you're a hanbali, maybe you'll study the book of Abdurrahman Nasr al-Sa'idi, Minhaj al-Salikin. And the list goes on. If you're a Hanafi, you're going to read Mukhtasar al-Khudari. Al-Qaduri, sorry. The Mukhtasar huh? of Al-Qaduri. The point is, you study a, in a fiqh book, you study the, the, the beginner book, whichever madhab you are. And this issue of at-tamadhub, 
following a madhab, inshallah, I'm going to make a series about it. What is the correct stance? Because we have two, two stages, farad and tafrid, two extremes. Then after that, the student, he studies umdatul fiqh, for instance, if he's a Hanbali, for example. If he's a Shafi'i, then after studying, for instance, uh, um, if he studies Matna Abi Shuja', for example, he goes for Umdatul Salik or Uddatul Nasik by Ibn Naqib al Misri, for instance. Or if he reads Az Zubad by Ibn Raslan, no problem. And then after that, he goes gradually to the Kitab Al Minhaj by Imam Al Nawi, Rahimullah Ta'ala. This is good. But if he's a Hanbali, then he goes to Umdatul Fiqh by Ibn Qudama, and etc. The list goes on. For example, this is just It's just an example. I'm not trying to give all the names of the books out there. And then if he goes to grammar, he starts with Al-Ajrumiyah. And he studies that book Al-Ajrumiyah. And because he's a beginner and he's studying Al-Ajrumiyah, the Sharh of Shaykh ibn Uthaymin is very beneficial. Very good. But remember, since you're studying the first grammar book, which is Ajrumiyah, it's, you should really depend more on the teacher who's teaching you than a Sharh. So you should just really have with you the matan. You shouldn't really busy yourself with a sharah, the explanation of a book. You should just come with the matan, the wording of the author, Imam Al-Ajroom. Sit down and ask the teacher to explain to you the wordings that are in here. What does Al-Kalamu mean? What does Al-Lafdu mean? What does Murakam mean? What does Mamu' min al-Sarf mean? What does Al-Mubtada mean? What does alamatun nasb What does these terms mean? So you understand it. The teacher explains all of that for you. And then after that, you can then go to the other shuruh that are out there. The best sharah being Tuhfatu al-Saniyyah by Muhyiddin Abdul Hamid. Once you've done that, and you studied Ajrumiyah, you also can study then the book after it, which is Mutammimatul Ajrumiyah, then after that, you go for قطر الندى وبل الصدى. In between متممة الأجرومية and قطر الندى, it's very wise to study لامية الأفعال. لامية الأفعال by by ابن مالك جمال الدين ابن مالك رحمه الله the author of the ألفية الخلاصة. You take the كتاب لامية الأفعال. Then after studying Lamiyatul Af'al, once you've studied Lamiyatul Af'al with the Sharh of the Durrah, then if you go straight away to Qatrul Nada and with the Qatr, because Qatrul Nada has issues in it that you won't even find in Al-Fiyyatul Ibn Malik. Ibn Hisham Al-Ansari, he has his own series by the way. Because after Qatrul Nada, you can study his kitab, Shad Al-Urf, Shudrat Al-Dhahab, uh, he has his Awdahul Masalik, which is uh, the third book. His Awdahul Masalik, which is a Nathar of Al Fitu al Malik. He turned it, he took it away from being a poetry and he turned it into a normal Nathar. And then after that, he's got his Mughni al Labib. So if you study those four books of Ibn Hisham al Ansari, it suffices you. If you go from Qatr al Nada and you leave all his three other books and you go directly to Al Fitu al Malik, and you can do it. But the nazm of Al-Fiyatul Malik, the poetry version, can sometimes be hard for a student of knowledge. The reason it can be hard for a student of knowledge is because you're not only <coughs> understanding what Ibn Malik is trying to say, but rather what you need to also understand is what, how the poetry is going. 
So you have to protect the poetry as well. So that might be hard sometimes. So it's good to study it with, uh, to study the Awdahu al-Masalik uh, by Ibn Hisham al-Ansari rahimahullah. So you study his book. Qatr al-Nada, that's his book. Qawa'id al-Irab, which is his book, which is Mu'assil al-Tullab by Khalid al-Azhari. Then I shall on it. The kitab, the asal of the kitab, Qawa'id al-Irab, is Ibn Hisham al-Ansari. And then you look at his other book, which is Awdahu al-Masalik. And then his kitab, Mughni al-Labi. Those were the four, sorry. Those were the four. Those are four Nahu books written by Ibn Hisham al-Ansari. So the first is Qatr al-Nada, you finish that one. Then you go for Qawa'id al-I'rab. Once you've done that, then you go for the kitab Awdahu al-Masalik. And then you go for his Mughni al-Labib. Those four books of Ibn Hisham al-Ansari suffices you from having to go to any other book. Then you can also study, if you go for Usul al-Fiqh, you study the Muqtasar in Usul al-Fiqh written by Abdurrahman Nasir Sa'di, Rahimahullah, Risalat al-Latifa. You study his kitab, very good. And then after that, if you study Al-Usul min Ilm al-Usul by Sheikh ibn Uthaymin, Rahimahullah, very good. And then after that, if you study Al-Waraqat, very good. Instead of Al-Usul min Ilm al-Usul by Sheikh ibn Uthaymin, you can take Waraqat instead. You could do so, you could do that if you want to. Then you study the kitab Tafsir al-Kalam al-Rahman fi Tafsir al-Kalam al-Mannan by Sheikh Abdurrahman Nasir Sa'di, which is a small summarized Tafsir book, very good for a student of knowledge. You could do, you could read that. Some scholars, they say, no, you could study Tafsir al-Jalalain. Tafsir al-Jalalain is a Tafsir written by two scholars, Jalaluddin al-Mahalli and Jalaluddin al-Suyuti. They came together, they, they authored it together on this particular book. All these books I'm saying are not necessarily going to be a methodology for you. This is just an example. Because whenever you go to a sheikh who's mutqin, he might give you a program. So you follow his program that he sets for you. Different programs, like the, um, the Al-Fiyat al-Malik in the subcontinent in India, they don't study Al-Fiyat al-Malik. For them, that's not a Nahu book. The Nahu they take is Ibn Hajib's Nahu. So every country and every land, they see a book to be the one that they should go for. And they really give a lot of importance to. And they avoid the other books. Because this Manhajiyah has been generations from generations. So the first one is a ta'sis. From the four levels of being gradual in knowledge, the first one is ta'sis, grounding yourself. Ground yourself. Then the second stage is marhala to tadlil. You've put the foundation in place, but now you want to know the evidences. So this is called marhala to tadlil. It's the stage of evidence. I want to know evidence. <coughs> I want to know why. What's the evidence for this? What's the evidence for this? Are you with me? And you memorize these evidences. And you try to understand what? You try to understand the relationship between the dalala and the dalil. The dalala, the evidence, dalalatuha ala madlulatiha. The evidence and the relationship, the, the extraction of the evidence, how, they, how they're related. Are you with me? Very good. The book like that would be Kitab al-Tawheed by Muhammad Abdul Wahab. Aqeedah al-Wasitiyah by Shaykh al-Islam ibn Taymiyyah. Are you with me? This stage now is just, is, is more evidences. 
Here is where Qatrul Nada will fall into. Qatrul Nada is more ma'rifatul dalil in Nahaw now. He's going to give you the aqwal of that. See the way he said this. Ibn Farra said this. Fulan said this. It's evidences. What's the evidence for this one? Allah Ta'ala is using this ayah. What evidence is this one using? This one is using this one. Sahih? We took that in our Sharah of Qatrul Nada. Everyone is putting his argument forward of why he believes this is Mabni and why the other one believes no, it's not Mabni. Sahih? Very good. Um, the third stage is called Al Marhala, which is Marhala Tul Muqaran. You're now comparing. You're not just finding out the opposite part, but you're comparing which one is stronger than which. You're comparing, just you want to compare the views. For example, the Kitab At-Tadmuriya by Ibn Taymiyyah and his Hamawiyya. He's now bringing you the opposite opinion of the Mukhalifin who go against the Madhab of Ahl Sunnah wal Jama'ah. So you didn't take that before. All you took was the opinion of Ahl Sunnah, right? And the Qawl which is... Then now you're learning the Marhala of what? Marhala Al-Muqaran which is a tawassu' fi tafri'i al-masail ala usooliha. And this is where the books of takhriju al-usooli ala al-furu'i comes into by Zinjani and others. Where you're basically now learning and you're comprehending the madahib al-mukhalifin, the opposing groups and the madhabs, the deviated groups where they come into this issue, the different opinions of the fiqh issues that are out there, you have understanding of it. You have now understand and you're comparing them. You start to compare them. The fourth stage is called Marhala to Tahrir. Oh, you're not just comparing now. You're now actually looking at each party's points they brought forward. Each point, the points that they have brought forward. And you're actually going to respond to it. So all the ishkalat that they brought, and you're going to bring jawabat for these ishkalat and al-jawabu ala al-iradat. And that's where the kitab al-jawab ala al-i'tiradat al-misriya comes into place, Ibn Taymiyyah's book. And his bayanu talbisi al-jahmiyya. And Al-Mughni by Ibn Qudama Al-Ansari, sorry, Ibn Qudama Al-Maqdisi, Rahimahullah. And his Mughni, and the Kitab Sharh Al-Kabir, which is a Sharh of Sharh Al-Kabir. The Kitab Al-Mughni is a Sharh Al-Kabir. Of Mukhtasar, no, sorry, the Mughni has a Sharh on it, Hashi on it. And the Asal for the Mughni is Al-Mukhtasar Al-Khiraqi. Also, Al-Kawqab Al-Munir, which is in Usul Al-Fiqh. This is now Marhala Al-Tahrir. They're telling you which is the Qawl Al-Rajah. And the opinion is correct. That's what they're doing. And not only that, they've compared all the arguments against each other and cross-referenced them each. They are now going to tell you which is the strongest. And they're going to bring you the Qawl of each group. And they're going to give you Qawl Al-Rajah. Respond to each party. This is tahrir that the talib ilm has reached. These four stages is called the, is called the, marha, the stage which is at tadarruj fi talib ilm, gradual.
that the student of knowledge takes. The first one being what? From these, from the graduate stage. First one, marhalat al-ta'sis. He foundation. He studies all these little qawaid, hadith books, aqidah books, hadith books, fiqh books, nahu books. He studies them. <coughs> he, he's still not going to say who's right or wrong. And then he comes to marhalat al-tadlil. The second one is the marhala, the stage of evidence. He just now knows his evidence. So he puts his. The third one is marhalat al-muqaran. He compares the opinions. He still doesn't know which of them are right, but he can compare the opinions with, with one another. And of course, this stage, he's still in the hands of a Sheikh Mutqin. He's under the hand and the wing of a teacher who's solidified and strong. The last one, which is Marhalat al-Tahrir. Marhalat al-Tahrir is the last one, which is he done isti'ab of the evidences. He's, comp he's actually... He has understanding of all the evidences that are out there. The dalil, the manat of the illa, the tanqih illa, all of them. He has it with him. These four marahil, these four stages, helps the student of knowledge to become a person who is, has tankeen, grounded, and he also has rusukh, he's grounded, he has understanding. So now, inshallah ta'ala, we're going to move on to the second one. That a student of knowledge, he needs methodology that he needs. We're talking about manhajiyya, al-amaliyya fi tabti al-ilm. So the first one we talked about was what? At-tadarruj fi talab al-ilm, right? Gradual stages that a student of knowledge should take when seeking knowledge. And within that, four things fell under that. We're now going to move on to the second. The second one is ma'rifatu knowing maratib al-nadar fi kulli mas'alati min al-masail al-ilmiyyah. It is knowing the stages, the levels that when you're observing knowledge and you're trying to seek knowledge, you're trying to gain it, the, you know the levels that every mas'ala that you're looking at, every issue that you're going to look at, you remember that you have to take these five stages before you can claim that you've understood it. If you haven't taken these five stages, you truly can't say that I have personally come to understand this issue, or I have precision in this, in this particular issue. You can't claim it. The first one is, Tasawwurul Mas'alati, perceiving the issue at hand, tasawwuran sahihan, a correct perception. This issue is very, very, very important. And this issue is tasawwur. This issue at hand, have you properly understood it, first of all? Do you know what it means? Sometimes a person may read a book. And he may read, or he may <coughs> listen to a lecture and a talk, which a scholar is explaining a particular, a particular point. Sah? But he does not perceive properly the issue at hand which is being dealt with over here. So the issue we have here and your perception of it are on two different waves. Based on that, your ruling is going to be wrong. So that's why the first stage is very important which is تَصَوْرُ الْمَسْأَلَةِ تَصَوْرًا صَحِيحًا Perceiving the issue at hand correctly. For example, for example, what does a kafir al-harbi mean? 
If somebody said to you right now, a kafir, who is a harbi, what does it mean? Because we know the kafir, the kuffar are how many types? Four types. Kafir which is dhimmi. We have a kafir which is a mu'ahid. And we have a kafir which is mustamin. And we have a last one which is kafir al-harbi. What is harbi? What does it mean? This kafir is a harbi kafir. Some people assume that a kafir which is harbi is actually a kafir you are in a battle with at that particular moment. And it doesn't mean that. It means any kafir who is not dhimmi, he's not musta'min, and he's not a mu'ahid, he's a harbi. Even if there's no battle or fight between us. But because that perception of the word kafir, harbi, has been misunderstood, and the perception of this particular term is misunderstood, you see people basing on it incorrect rulings. Again, another example that I spoke about before, which is Milkul Manfa'a and Malikul Manfa'a. The one who, what's the difference between Milkul Manfa'a and the Milkul Ain? Milkul Ain, the one who owns the particular issue at hand. What does it mean, Al Ma'ul Musta'mal, water that's used? Is it the water that pours off a person's limbs when they do wudu, for instance? The water that comes rolling down from their body, their arm and their hand. Is that water referred to as used water? Ma' al-musta'mal. Or is ma' al-musta'mal after the person finished... Look what it, There's a bucket, you put water in it. Are you with me? And you, t- t- you take water from that bucket and you pour it over yourself and then you go after that. Are you with me, brothers? The remaining water in that big bucket, is that the ma'al musta'mal? Or is it the water that rolled off your body? That's the ma'al musta'mal. What's the reality of it? What's the meaning of a dhahab al musta'mal? The gold that a person uses. Because we know you don't have to pay zakat from the gold which is used. Some of the fuqaha say. Sah? Because they say it's like what? It's like clothing. You don't pay zakat from your clothing. So the gold that the person wears. Some of the fuqaha they say, Laysa fi zakat. The gold that's used is worn, you don't pay zakat from it. But then the question is at hand is, ma ma'ana dhahabul musta'mal? What is gold that's used? Is it actually the gold that the person wears, the woman wears, or is it the gold that's made for wearing, even if it's not worn at that particular time? But it's prepared and it's made and its function is only to be worn. Is that referred to? What do the scholars mean when they say that the tayammum is mubih and it is not rafi'? <coughs> pay attention to this. What do they mean by that? Mubih means permitter. The, the tayammum permits for you salah. But it is not rafi', meaning it does not lift from you. But what do they particularly mean by mubih and rafi'? What's the real meaning of it? And what is the difference between ibaha and rafa'? What's the hack? This is all tasawwur. It's perceiving something as it is. Are you with me, brothers? Also, for example, when the fuqaha say, they say, for example, al-muhsin, al-hur, in zana yurjam. The muhsin, who is free, not a slave, 
If he commits zina, he's stoned. But what is ihsan? The one who is muhsin, who then commits zina, he's stoned to death. So what is a muhsin? What, is the, who, what does muhsin mean? And, and ihsan in babu zina, is it the same in babu al-qathf? The chapters of qathf, when we go to it, and the bab of zina, the ihsan, are they both the same? Or are there a difference between the two of them? For example, if you come to the aqidah books, for instance. Are you with me? When the a'immatu salaf, they say, al-imanu qawlun wa'amal. Are they referring about, are they talking about aslul iman? When they say al-imanu qawlun wa'amal. Or are they talking about kamalul iman? Kamaluhul wajib. What are they referring to when they say al-imanu qawlun wa'amal? Are they talking about the original essence of iman is qawlun wa'amal? And that's the asal for it. Or are they referring to when the iman is complete is qawlun wa'amal? What do they mean by it? What is the difference between shartul wujub and shartul siha? And what is the meaning about what, what is the meaning of it? When Aimatu Salaf say Amiruha Kama Jaat, when they talk about Babul Asma'i wa Sifat, Amiruha Kama Jaat, go over it as it comes. Or for example, when they talk about Allah's characteristics, they say, ala haqiqatiha. What do they mean by haqiqah? Or when they say, ala zahiriha. What do they mean by these terms? What, what's, what, what are they trying to get to? When the usuliyin, they say, mafhum and mantuq, what do they mean by it? When they say khas, when they say aam, what do they mean by it? When they say mutlaq, when they say muqayyad, what do they mean by it? What are these terminologies? What do they signify? What do they mean? What's the difference between mutlaq and am? What is the difference between mutlaq and am? Is it from those إِذَا اجْتَمَعَا اِفْتَرَقَا وَإِذَا اِفْتَرَقَا اجْتَمَعَا Is it like that? Is it not? This martaba is the first stage, by the way. It's tasawwur al-masail. You first of all perceive it correctly. The student of knowledge has to have tasawwur, tasawwuran sahihan, correct perception. Without having correct perception, you can't really claim the second stage, which is now, the second stage is what? Is B, because we're talking, this all forms under what? The five levels of when you're looking at an issue at hand. The second one is what? Ma'rifatul hukum, knowing the ruling. Can you do a ruling on something you don't know the perception, you haven't perceived it correctly? Ya brothers. Al-hukmu ala shay'un far'un an tasawuri. To give a ruling to something, you have to have perceived it correctly. So the hukum is what? Now you're giving a ruling on it. After perceiving it correctly, after knowing what each term meant, uh, you know when the usuliyin they say sahih and fasid. Do you know what they mean by sahih? They took the ahkam, al-shar'iyya and al-wad'iyya, when they say sahih. But when the nuha, uh, sarfiyin, the scholars of sarf, they say sahih, you know the difference, they, what they're talking about here, right? What is sahih according to the usuliyin? 
According to the usulin, what's sahih? According to the usulin, sahih means if the shart is there. Shart is present. The sabab is there. And the mani' is uplifted. Sahih? This is called sahih according to them. According to the sarfiyin, what is it? According to the sarfiyin, it's as long as it's what? Aslul kalim, the asal of the kalima, this is the sarfiyin, is saved from huruf al-illah. Wow, alif and yeah. And then you know each science, when they speak about a word, what they mean by it and the difference between them. Then your ruling is going to be correct. For example, if I now ask you, Hukmul ma'al musta'mal. Hey, what's the ruling of water, water that's used? Because you've perceived what used water means in the first point, and you know what used water is, if I now ask you the ruling, and I say to you, what's the ruling on a water that is used? What do you say? It is tahir, it's pure. But ghayru mutahirin, but it can't purify anything. It's tahir in and within itself, but it can't pure anybody, purify anybody. It can't purify anyone else. If I asked you, for example, حُكْمُ ذَهَبَ المستعمل, Gold that's used, because you know what gold that's used, the ruling, uh, what it means. If I ask what's the ruling, you're going to say to me, لَا تَجِبُ عَلَيْهِ zakat. Zakat is not obligatory on it. لَا تَجِبُ فِيهِ zakat. Zakat is not obligatory on it. Because you really know what the word ذهب المستعمل means. For example, if I asked you, the zani muhsin, what's his ruling? You're gonna say to me rajm, because you know what zani muhsin means. It's the person who went through a a marriage, a previous legislated Islamic marriage. When I say Islamic marriage, I mean he went through a legal marriage, a constructed marriage. If I asked you, what's the ruling of a kafir harbi? You're gonna say halal dammi wal mal. Because you know what kafir harbi means. And the terminology for you is what? What you understand. And etc. Your rulings are correct because you've perceived it correctly. So the first one was what? Tasawwurul mas'ala. Tasawwuran sahihan. And the second one is ma'rifatul hukmi. Knowing the ruling. The third stage is ma'rifatul adillatil ahkam. Knowing the evidences of the ruling. Are you with me? For example, <coughs> for example, the what did we just say right now about the water that's used? We said that right, based on what hadith? Based on the hadith of the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam, where he said. نَهَا رَسُولُ اللَّهِ صَلَّى اللَّهِ عَلَيْهِ وَسَلَمَ أَنْ تَغْتَصِلَ الْمَرْأَةُ بِفَضْلِ الرَّجُلِ أَوْ أَنْ يَغْتَصِلَ الرَّجُلِ بِفَضْلِ الْمَرَأَةِ وَلِيَغْتَرِفَ جَمِيعًا And another wording it says بِفَضْلِ وُضُوءِ الْمَرَأَةِ If I ask what's the evidence for what? That the zakat on the gold that's used is not It's wajib, sorry Sorry, it's, so it's not wajib, sorry There's the, gold that's used You don't have to pay zakat from it What's the evidence for it? لَيْسَ فِي الْحُلِيِّ زَكَاتٌ you don't, there's no, there's no zakat on the huli, which is the gold, gold which the woman adorns herself with. And also بعض آثار السلف. For example, <coughs> if I ask you how أهل السنة والجماعة, uh, what they say about, for example, 
the characteristics of Allah because you understood what the word means you're now going to say what's the hukum for it what's the evidence for it ijma'u salaf the hukum is that wajib the evidence for that is ijma'u salaf the salaf unanimously agreed upon that Allah's characteristics attributes we go over it and it's apparent and that we affirm it for Allah the fourth stage when you're looking at every issue these four stages you have to take the fourth one is Knowing the things they have in common and also the things they differ on. You find the things that they are the same in and the places which they agree with each other on. And then you start to also try to pick up the things they differ upon. Because some issues, they may seem the same from something, places, from angles. And then some angles they may differ upon. You try to learn those things as well. Wadaka Shaykh Abdul Latif ibn Abdul Rahman ibn Hassan ibn Muhammad ibn Abdul Wahab. He said, I'lam anna man tasawwara haqiqata ayy shayin ala ma huwa alayhi fil kharij wa arafa ma hiyatahu bi awsafiha al khasa arafa darurati ma yunaqidhu wa yudaduhu. وإنما يقع الخفاء بلبس إحدى الحقيقتين وبجه أو بجهل كلا الماهيتين ومع انتفاء ومع انتفاء ذلك وحصول التصور التام لهما لا يخفى ولا يلتبس أحدهما بالآخر وكم هلك بسبب قصور العلم وعدم معرفة الحدود والحقائق من أمة وكم وقع بذلك من الغلط والريب والأمة. The same anybody he says. Who understands the reality of an issue, he perceives it correctly as it is. Externally, he understands it properly. And he understands the reality and the truth that lies within this thing, with its description, with its, with its description, he will automatically know what opposes it. Which is again the issue of what? Al Jawami' wal that's the same thing Abdul Rahman ibn Nasir Sa'di said in his great book, Al Jawami' القواعد والأصول الجامعة والتقاسيم البديعة النافعة. He mentions معرفة جوامع الأحكام وفوارقها من أهم العلوم وأكثرها فائدة وأعظمها نفعاً. He says this field of rule things that the rulings are the same, but they also have differences. It's from one of the greatest topic a person can learn, and it's from the greatest benefits lie in it. And from those books that you can benefit that from is the Kitab Al-Furuq by Imam Al-Qarafi, Al-Maliki. Also Kitab Al-Ashbah Wal-Nadair by Imam Al-Suyuti. Also Al-Furuq written by Al-Karabisi. Karabisi has a, Karabisi has a book called Al-Furuq. Also Al-Qawaid Wal-Usul. Al-Qawaid. Sorry, it's called Al-Qawaid Wal-Ahkam. في مصالح الأنام ريتب على عزم عبد السلام ما شاء الله بنفيشو بوك and also books of قواعد الفقهية this is what they teach you also القواعد لابن رجب الحنبلي it's very beneficial book and the book I found very beneficial very beneficial very helpful is the كتاب المذهب مجموع المهذب it's called مجموع المهذب It's called Al Majmu' Al Muhaddab Fi Qawaid Al Madhab, written by Al Ala Al Kaykaldi, Rahimahullah. Al Ala Al Kaykaldi, Rahimahullah. 
فإنه من أنفس الكتب في الباب It's rather from the best books in this field It benefits your law in قواعد الفقية So you learn the differences between things If I asked you now what's the difference between لازم and جائز What's the difference between the two This عقد is لازم or this عقد is جائز What's the difference between the two And what rulings come out from it If I said to you what's the difference between a kafir which is a mu'ahid and a kafir which is a musta'min, what's the difference? Are you with me? For example, if I say to a person who prays without tahara, in, uh, he forgot, a person forgot, and he prays a salah without tahara, are you with me? <coughs> he, has to, he has to bring back that prayer. But a person who prays a salah, and he has impurity on his clothing, but he forgot. He doesn't have to bring back his prayer. What's the difference? What's the difference? Both of them have left an obligatory act in the prayer. One has left the tahara for himself. The other one, he's what? Why? What's the difference? So these are very important that a person understands. What's the difference between a mufti and a qadi? The mufti, his verdict is not obligatory on you. A verdict, if a mufti gives a verdict, you're not mulzam, you're not obliged to follow it. But if a qadi gives it, you have no choice, you have to stick to it. You have no way to get out of it. It's abiding on you. Also, the Mufti doesn't have to listen to both parties. The Qadi does lakin. The Mufti, he doesn't have to listen to both parties. He has to hear both parties speak. For example, from the examples, this is a what? It is not permissible to sell another gold with another gold unless they are the same. Are you with me? Gold with gold, it has to be the same, it has to be equal. In terms of what? Scale, it has to be the same weight. Even if it's old and new, it doesn't matter. But it is permissible, huh? it is permissible to uh, rent, to rent gold with more money in worth when it's not equal. And originally the money is from a gold or silver, whichever you look at. According to the ulama, they mention that the talaq al-madkhuru biha, the woman that the man entered onto her, are you with me? The divorce, if he does divorce her three times, it happens three. According to the majority of the fuqaha. But the woman who he has not entered onto, it, it can't happen three. It only happens as one. And this is consent. What's the difference between the two? What is the difference between Al-Mudda'i wal Ali? The fifth stage, which is the last stage, is Knowing the levels of every issue. Every issue that you're talking about, you know their levels and their sequential huh, ranking. For example, you know the levels of obligation, 
you know the levels of prohibition. Why would you want to do that? You want to do that when they have what happens is تزاحمي, when they start to conflict with one another. You know which one you need to put forward. Which one do I need to put forward? Which one do I have to delay and put back? تزاحمي, when I when I feel like to obligate to obligate your actor, I have to do one over the other. I know how to do it. Because I know the levels. Within the wajibat, I know the levels. And within the prohibitions, I know their levels. Some obligations are connected to what? It's like, for example, if an, obliga- if an obligatory act and a voluntary act are conflating with one another, are you with me? Or conflicting with one another, which one do you give precedence to? You give precedence to the obligatory one over the voluntary one, right? What about a voluntary act that's connected to the ibadah itself or the, a voluntary... So we're talking about here. An act which is v- <coughs> obligatory. But this obligation is connected to the ibadah itself. <coughs> or a obligatory that's not connected to the ibadah but rather is connected to a time or a place. Which one do you give precedence to? Which one goes first, providing for your children or your wife? The jihad, which is fardu ayn, does that take precedence over your wife when there's so your child, your 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 mother, your parents, your parents, and the jihad fardu, which is fardu ayn, or your parents and the hajj, which is wajib. Which one takes precedence over which? All of this is what the. The levels of the obligations and the, ob- the levels of the prohibitions. Inshallah, my beloved brothers and sisters, we finally finished our series that we wanted to do, which is uh, the importance of understanding knowledge and the way to gain it. So we first part of the videos, the first two videos, we spoke about, in the first video we spoke about, we spoke about the importance of understanding knowledge. And in the second part we spoke about ways to gain it, characteristics that a person needs to come with. And in the third part we spoke about (coughs) a methodology that a person needs to tread on if he wants to become one who is precise and has precision and accuracy in knowledge. Whilst I was talking, anything which I had said which was wrong, minni it's from me and shaitan and Allah and his messenger are free from it. Subhanakallahumma bihamdik. Ashadu an la ilaha illallah. Astaghfiruka wa atubu ilayk.